Welcome to another edition of the Untold Patriot Stories podcast with Scott Prusak and Dave Usher, where you'll hear stories told by the players and media members. Hello, everyone. This is Scott Prusak with Dave Usher and Bob Hilberg. Welcome to another edition of Untold Patriot Stories. Today, we're lucky to have Phil Perry, New England Patriots insider for NBCSports.com, and we're going to just talk a little bit about his thoughts so far on preseason um, in the upcoming year. So, Dave, I'm going to hand it off to you to get this going. Also, just wanted to add in the host of the breakdown, but not allowed to do the Tedestrator, correct? <laughs> That's correct. Yeah, Ted doesn't let me touch the Tedestrator. I don't understand that, but I do whatever Ted tells me because um, he could squash me like a grape whenever he decides. So I just let him have that. Yeah, we had him. We had him last night. So you're, you're uh, we have you on today. Yeah, we went a little long, so I, I couldn't give him any lifting tips. But um, <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to uh, talk about you know what what we've seen so far from the 2023 Patriots. I wanted to start off with um, with Bailey Zappi. Uh, obviously, the the first game was not ideal for him. While he was fairly accurate, you know, he didn't put the the team in the end zone. So, I guess my my question is: Is there still a competition? Is is he a threat to play this year? What are your thoughts on Zappi uh, moving forward? I, I really don't see it as a competition right now, guys. I, I see it as Mac Jones's job now. Mac Jones to me still hasn't necessarily done anything to prove that, you know, he's an elite quarterback at this level. So that's not to say that things couldn't change, but there has been a clear top quarterback and not just in terms of the reps, I would say in terms of the performance too, Mm -hmm. you know, for instance, I thought on Monday, uh, Mac Jones, maybe at his best practice of camp, I think he's, I think he has slowly, steadily, incrementally gotten better in terms of getting the ball down the field, doing it accurately, some really good throws to Juju Smith-Schuster down the field, who I don't think of as a down-the-field guy. Yeah. But when you drop it in the bucket, you know, from 25 yards away, you know, a lot of guys can be down-the-field guys when you put it in the perfect spot. <laughs> and he did that. He did that a few times. Um, I would say as far as Bailey goes, you know, I, I think he's, you know, he is going to be a capable backup quarterback, in my opinion. There are physical limitations that he has to deal with that he'll probably always have to deal with, guys. The one thing that I would say you would love to see from from Bailey, if you're the Patriots, is to push a little more. And and I mean that sort of theoretically. I I mean it literally when it comes to throwing the ball down the field. You know, there were a couple opportunities after speaking to um, some people inside the building following the Texans game. Uh, the sense that I got where there were a few opportunities where they would have liked to see Bailey do a little more in terms of be a little more aggressive. Don't be afraid to make an explosive play. If it's there, you know, follow your reads and then trust that the guy on the other end is going to make the play, even if it's not the number ones, right? And I understand if maybe you're in that backup sort of mode, you just don't want to lose the thing, right? Let's take the check down. If it's there, you can't go broke taking a profit. Uh, I would also say scared money don't make money. <laughs> you know, so yeah, there you go. If, if he wants to get on the field and he wants this thing to be a competition, he's been pretty open about that fact. That's how he views it, which good for him. He should. Jimmy yeah. Garoppolo used to say the same thing when Tom Brady was here. So I don't fault him for that. But if that's how you feel, you got to go win this job. You're not winning the job throwing, you know, swing passes. Yeah, and safe, there, yeah. there was, there was just one play in particular that, that stood out to me. I think it stood out to people with the team was there was an early third down in the red zone. It was right after the turnover 
Uh, you had Tyquan Thornton on one side, one boundary on Derek Stingley's real corner, you know, high, highly drafted guy. And on the other side, you had Kayshawn Booty. Um, I, I think the Patriots feel as though both of those guys were open and could have made that throw. He ended up being sacked on the play, if you remember, and they ended up kicking the mm-hmm. field goal. And at the time, I was saying, was that a good sack to take? You know, right? Because you, you still want the points. You do want the three. Right. So you don't want to throw a pick there in a bad situation. But he had, you know, I think pretty clear one-on-ones on the outside. And and both of those guys kind of won their route, it looked like. So um, that's the kind of thing that I would like to see him do a little bit more of moving forward to try to maximize who he is and what he can do. So with Ra- Ramonde Stevenson being a good receiver out of the backfield and Bill O'Brien coming in, what do you think about more play action plays this year? Is that more into the uh, mindset of these guys? That has to be a huge part of what they do, what they add really to this offense, Bob. That was maybe of all the scheme failures that they had last year, that's the one that stood out to football people that I spoke to, other coaches around the league, front office people, was, man, you know, and, and some of these guys will tell you, we try not to follow what, what you guys are saying in the media. We really try not. <laughs> but the one thing where you guys were, that you guys were on was the fact that we were not using play action last year. And it just, for whatever reason, it just never became a, a real component of our offense. And that you can look at, at Mac Jones's numbers in terms of, you know, play action percentage, how many dropbacks were actually play action passes. And he's near the bottom of the league, even though when he used play action, the Patriots were really efficient. They were explosive. They were, you know, among some of the best teams in the league when it came, came to yards per attempt and success rate and things of that nature. So that's going to be much more a part of what they do because they are still going to be built around the run guy. I think Ramondre Stevenson's probably their best offensive player, guys. So, yeah, built it around him. But then when he is such a threat and when he can influence linebackers the way that he can, just by faking the ball to him, use that space that you've created. Use it for right. Hunter Henry. Use it for Juju Smith-Schuster. Use that short intermediate area of the field over the middle. Hit those linebackers over their heads. And and I think you could be a much more proficient offensive attack this year. You know, I think there was there was yards there. There were points there last year that they just never really tapped into. Yeah. And, and I know Bill O'Brien will be doing more of that. We we could see it out at training camp. You know, we, we've been seeing a, a fair amount, I would say, of play action stuff. Um, so you can tell it's it's in the plans for them. Okay, so this year was something unique where they drafted a punter and a kicker. So. You know, what are your thoughts on that? And do you th- see both of them sticking on the roster? And have we seen the last of Nick Folk? I do. I do think you'll see both, both still on the roster. I'm not sure we've seen the last of Nick Folk because I I don't believe that Bill Belichick is going to be all that keen on the idea of parting with a guy who's still a capable special teamer. Like I just I think that would pain Bill Belichick. I think that would hurt his heart. <laughs> Wait, this guy's helping us in the kick game. Is this, you know, he's eighty-eight percent or whatever he is from field yeah. goals. Why are we going to get rid of him? Well, Bill, we, you also just drafted a kicker in the fourth round. Yeah, so we could keep them both. And right. and I basically asked him that in the spring, guys, and he didn't rule it out. He said, "Well, last year there were times where we had two kickers, and and you'll remember what they did uh, late in the year last year was they called up, I believe it was Tristan Viscaino right. off the practice squad for kickoff duty while they still had Nick Folk." doing the field goals because again, accurate guy, trustworthy guy, perform under pressure. 
But when it comes to the kick route, he just doesn't have the leg that that a lot of younger guys do. Right, and so right. um, would they do something like that early in Chad Ryland's career where they say, hey, we're going to let Nick handle the field goals and the extra points. You're going to be valuable to us on kickoffs because we still value that part of the game. There's a there's a new rule in place now where, you know, there's all sorts of stuff that you can do in the kicking game that's a little bit different. I just wonder if they end up doing that. I think I think Beringer, Bryce Beringer will end up winning the, the punt job from Corliss yeah. Waitman. And I think Ryland will be on the roster. My my question is, do they waive Nick Folk, put him on the practice squad as one of those veteran practice squad guys, and then all of a sudden you get two kickers in your locker room? Yeah. Interesting. So I'm I'm gonna stick with the with the QB theme of the of my questions anyway, and I did ask Ted about his thoughts on Malik Cunningham, and he said it was exciting. But I wanted to talk to you because I know you interviewed his former OC Lance Taylor. Um, see if you had any insight from that. Yeah, I I really like what we saw from Malik Cunningham, and I'll even go back to before that game. So, um, so it was really only after one practice, um, that we saw Malik out there and taking you know, I would call them significant reps, but not extensive reps at quarterback uh, where I got Taylor on the horn and said, hey, th- this was kind of fun to watch Malik out there running around and doing some different things at that quarterback position. Tell us about him. And, and this is a guy who's worked in the NFL uh, with the Jets for a while, with the Panthers for a while, while Cam Newton was on the roster. He's an offensive coach, offensive mind. He's been on that side of the ball, very high level for a number of years, even though he's a pretty young guy, I believe he's a 42 year old head coach now for Western Michigan. Yep. Um, but basically what he told me is, I mean, this guy is, is dynamic. And in today's game, quarterback mobility is so important. The athletes that you see up front rushing the passer and the, the value that a quarterback who can, um, who can be creative behind the line of scrimmage, whether it's extending the play to throw or running to run and pick up yardage in critical situations you you can't put a price on that. And so he may not be, you know, this is my, my analysis now. What I've heard about Malik, you know, when he was coming into the league as an undrafted rookie is, listen, is he going to be consistent enough as a passer to garner real quarterback work from an NFL team? And I think that question, that question still lingers. But what we've seen from him, and I and I don't I don't just write off what we saw in the game against the Texans because there were a couple of things there that, that I don't chalk up as run of the mill. You see it every, you know, I was arguing with my buddy, Greg Bedard yeah. the other night on early edition. He's like, yeah, these performances are a dime a dozen in preseason. <laughs> I understand what he's saying. You know, you do get the late quarterback performance in a preseason game, you know, going against the, the fourth string defense or whoever they're playing and, and they look okay. Two things that I really like from Cunningham in his brief, snippet of plays aside from the creativity with his legs and the obvious athleticism. Number one, the toughness to be able to bounce back from having your head quite literally almost ripped off or, you know, exorcism style twisted around on its axis. <laughs> yeah. And and the very next play hit on a short throw was a little bit of pressure pump, pump faked it had to, you know, it was again, it wasn't a down the field shot, but poised to stand in the pocket, stay in the pocket when things got a little busy around him, made a nice throw, keeps the chains moving. Later in that drive, again, after getting your head ripped off, on the move, rolling out to his right, the best throw of the night. C.J. Stroud, Bailey Zappi, like any quarterback you want to throw, like the best throw of the night was his rollout throw to Trey Nixon that was dropped for a touchdown in the back of the end zone. So I think he's accurate enough to give him more time there. 
and he's certainly athletic enough to to give you some value. I like the idea of keeping him on the roster. If you need a receiver, you could use him at receiver. If you need a gunner, you could use him at gunner and continue to give him some quarterback practice time to just develop him. And maybe, maybe it takes three years, guys. But just see what you have there, because if he yeah. continues to grow over that course of time, if he stinks, and you know, don't keep him for three years and just hope. But if he shows growth, if he shows development behind the scenes, then then why wouldn't you try to cultivate that? So I like what we saw from him, and I hope you know because he's fun to watch, and because I, I've liked the interactions that I've had with him in the brief time that we've gotten to know him. Uh, I hope he continues to grow and continues to get some some uh, quarterback time. Well, with the absence of uh, Devin McCourty, uh, who's going to uh, play uh, free safety? It's a good question, Bob. And I think the answer might be no one and everyone <laughs> and <laughs> everything in between. You know, right. I, I just think they're going to be a very different defense. You know, Devin was very open about it soon after he retired when he said, they actually have a chance to be better now that I'm gone. And he wasn't doing that just to be humble, although, I, you know, he is a pretty humble guy. Right. What he was getting at was when I was on the field, you knew I was going to be in the deep middle. You knew it was going to be post-safety coverage. And that right there, if you're a quarterback, kind of limits the options that the defense has in terms of coverage looks to throw at you. You know, it's going to be cover one, maybe with some pressure, maybe it's cover three. Again, you know, who knows what the front is doing. But in terms of what you're talking about on the back end, you had a pretty good idea whenever Devin was out there where he was going to be and therefore what the defense was going to be doing. Now, you don't have that guy that you need to play in the middle of the field that you, that you want in the middle of the field 90% of the time. You're going to be seeing a lot of a lot more, in my opinion, two safety looks where it's Kyle Duggar and Adrian Phillips or Adrian Phillips and Jabril Peppers or Jalen Mills and Kyle Duggar. And they're going to start in those two high shells that, uh, you know, Vic Fangio and his disciples have kind of made popular Across the league in recent years, you know, Brandon Staley is one of his disciples. And, you know, that we've seen sort of this move, this shift across the league to um, really battle against the explosive pass play. And you're seeing defenses say, we're fine. If you want to hand it off into a six man defensive front, we're actually okay doing that. Even if we give up four yards, we're fine with that because it means we're not giving up the 24 yard pass on the back end. We'll take right. that trade off. And, you know, some quarterbacks have still been really good despite that. Like Patrick Mahomes has become yeah. like the best short thrower in football now. And it doesn't matter to him, right. but a lot of other weeks, you know, that strategy might work. And again, Fangio is now in Miami. We're going to be talking a lot about him this year. Um, but I think you could see a similar style of defense in some ways from the Patriots this year, because even if you start in those two high shells, you don't have to stay there. And a lot of times it's it's post-snap movement and it's disguise and it's deception. And it's a defense that spent a lot of time together, a lot of players that have played a lot of snaps together. Gerard Mayo and Steve Belichick, people think of these guys as young guys, and they still are. But they've really been in charge of this defense in some way, shape, or form since 2019. So they've got a lot of experience now in terms of what they know they want to run out there. So they're going to be very multiple. They're going to be versatile. They're going to be exotic. I think they, they, what's been surprising to me exactly. is, and you guys have been at camp, yeah. they're throwing blitzes and different coverage looks and yeah. late shifts and rotations at their own offense, like a week and a half in a training camp. Right. And Matt right. Jones is at the podium with us. 
It's really hard going against these guys. <laughs> yeah, Even yeah, right. Steve Belichick must be up until all hours of the night coming up with this stuff that we've never seen before. And right. it's, you know, it's barely August here. So I, I think that's the kind of defense they're going to be. I don't know if they're going to have a set post safety. You know, Jalen Mills, probably in terms of his skill set, is, is the fastest guy to be able to do that. Right. I just don't think we're going to see a ton of it. I think you're going to get a lot of two safety stuff, and it'll be a, a little different looking Patriots defense, but I think they're going to be really good. And I think they'll be fun to watch because I think they'll they'll be more scheme diverse. Okay, awesome. So we'll uh, we'll get this start to get this wrapped up. So I got a question for you, and then after that, if you want to just tell everybody where they can find you on social media and on TV and all that. But do you think they're going to be able to overcome the issues on the offensive line this late in camp? Because we're, we're counting on everybody being healthy, and I know Bedard said that if everybody's healthy, it could be the best best offensive line in the AFC East. But do you see them overcoming? the issues that they have, and especially if these guys don't come back. Um, how, how do you feel about that? Because if they don't, this could be a mess. I mean, never mind running the ball. Nobody's going to be able to run if there's not a hole. So what are your thoughts on that? And, and then where does that play-action offense that we were just talking about go, right? If you can't yeah. run it and the threat of the run just isn't there. I mean, as good a season as Ramondre Stevenson had last year because of issues that they had on the offensive line, they still rank near the bottom of the league in terms of run game efficiency. They were 24, 25 in terms of EPA per, per rush. And, you know, they just weren't where we're used to them being, I felt like, in terms of their run game overall. I'm starting to get concerned, guys, because I just feel as though the more time you miss now, the longer it takes for you to get to where you want to be when the games really, truly matter. And right. We've all heard from Dante Scarnecchia enough over the years and and his disciples like, you know, David Andrews, where they stress so hard that it is so critical to be able to see the game through the same set of eyes, right. be able to perform up to, up to your standard, that if you miss as much camp time as, for instance, Mike Awenu, who is still on PUP, has missed, or now Cole Strange, who was hurt very soon into padded practices – has missed. We still don't even know who the right tackle is going to be. Is it really going to be City? So the rookie fourth round pick from Eastern <laughs> Michigan. That's I, I, I liked that pick when they did it, but man, the guy hasn't played tackle in a long time, and I think he yeah. might be able to. But you got to let him marinate. You got to let him yeah. <laughs> before you throw him up to the wolves in that way. So that that's my concern is that they're just not even if they get healthy by week one, do they have the reps together that they need to see the game through the same set of eyes? and be able to protect the way they need to pick up the blitz the way they need to and run the football the way they need to. So that it is a concern for me. I think again, if they're healthy, I don't disagree with Greg, you know, you've got four out of five, I would say good to very good players uh, between Brown, strange Andrews and Owenu. but we haven't seen that combination out there all summer. So that's the concern to me. And it's, it's just getting late. Like the clock is ticking. We're mid August. You're going to be down in practice uh, in Nashville next week. Maybe a when is back by then, but um, they need those guys out there. They need them together. All right. So where can everybody find you? I know you're a busy guy. So where where, where can everybody find you? If they want to see you on TV, I'll listen to you on the radio or, you know, social media, where can they find you? Uh, I'm probably too many places for people like, like they probably <laughs> yeah. would like to get away from me at some point in time here, but uh, at Phil A. Perry on Twitter, same thing on Instagram uh, before every Patriots preseason game, as well as regular season game, I'll be on 98.5, the sports hub uh, for their pregame show with uh, Jim Murray and Chris Gasper. And then on TV, of course, six o'clock 
almost every night. Quick Slants is yeah. back. So yeah. on Quick Slants nights, will be Quick Slants Tuesdays, 6 o'clock, early edition, usually 6 o'clock on Tuesdays, early editions at 6.30. I'm actually hosting Boston Sports tonight, uh, the rest of this week. So that'll be 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock on NBC Sports Boss for the next three nights. So a lot of fun. I I love this time of year. There's so much to talk about. There's so much. If you're a football nerd like I am, and I know you guys are as well. Absolutely. It's like Christmas. It's like Christmas. There's just so many, you know, 90-man rosters and camp battles and now joint practices, which will be a lot of fun. So there's a lot to talk about. And uh, I love being able to do it as many places as I can. I'm looking at Bob's roster right now. He's yeah. got one ready to go. It's I love it. It's it's a lot of fun this time of year. Well, we all enjoy your work, so keep it up. And, uh, again, Phil, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to be on with us, and uh, have a great day. Thanks so much, guys. Really yeah. appreciate it. Enjoy the week. All right. Thanks, Thanks. Thanks for listening to Untold Patriot Stories with Scott Prusak and Dave Usher. Please follow us on whatever platform you download your podcasts and be sure to tell your friends.